I started this new journey last year when I was 67. So this year I was thinking, what was I thinking? <laughs> I Believe in You, proudly supported by RAH McDonald's. Hello and welcome to Season 5 of I Believe in You, the podcast about setting your goals and achieving your dreams. I'm Lizelle Hartley, a business and personal mentor, and we are talking with another seven amazing individuals who has taken their passion and built themselves a career. This episode, health is again in the spotlight, but not quite how you might expect. Our physical and mental health can both be affected by stress, and many of us will be tempted to overcommit for the sake of your businesses. No one is perfect picture of health. Life sometimes has its own plans, no matter how prepared we are. Dr. Judy Craig is a cosmetic physician and a former GP and has had a rather unique journey through health and business and joins us on this episode of I Believe in You. Welcome, Dr. Judy Craig. It's great to have you with me today. It's an absolute pleasure. <laughs> Please tell our listeners, what do you do and what is your role in the business? I'm a cosmetic physician and I set up a business, Natural Looks Cosmetic Medicine. Um, I've been practicing cosmetic medicine for 15 years now. And May last year, I bought premises and expanded my business to include all the dermal therapy side as well as the injectables, which is what I'd concentrated on before. Um, I'm the owner and the injecting physician at the clinic. That is a place where a lot of women spend a lot of their times these days because that's the world we're in. But tell me, where did your journey start? How, how do you get to the clinic from a doctor? Well, I graduated uh, from the University of Western Australia as a doctor in 1978 and did my residency at Royal Perth Hospital. Um, I left the hospital to have my first child. She was born in 1980 and I was working in a general practice part-time at that time and I just always had a driving desire to own my own business. So when she was 12 months old, I started looking for premises and um designed and built my own house and clinic combination and stayed there for a number of years and had my second child and then built a purpose-built building for the clinic and we actually moved to a university college as my husband was principal there. So from there I had many, many years of general practice and found for many reasons I sort of by 2006 I'd really burnt out and sold my practice and found that I really wasn't all that happy working in other people's businesses. I'm very much my own boss. I also had some health issues which made me what we call health insecurity. So I was, couldn't be a reliable employee. And if I had a bad bout, I would tend to resign because I often wouldn't know how long I would be unwell. So it was better for the people who employed me for me to actually just leave. So I then thought, what am I going to do? I didn't want to start another general practice because Things have become very difficult in the general practice field with the government changes and corporates entering the field. My ex-sister-in-law said, go and learn to do Botox. I need someone in my beauty therapy clinic to inject. So after a lot of pushing, I went and learned how to do it and discovered I absolutely loved it. And I think it appeals to my, my science side, but also my artistic 
tendencies. And what I found is it's just very good for my soul because people come into the clinic happy. They go out happier and acquire this wonderful, huge number of friends. So it's, um, it's just been a really rewarding journey and, and seeing the transformations and helping people with specific issues and, you know, deformities and nerve palsies and scars and even just giving someone a belief in themselves and seeing them come back with their head held high and a smile on their face brings a lot of joy. Now I want to take you back to when my daughter was 12 months old. Yes. You actually then decided to go into business. That's where a lot of moms will say, this is not for me. What was your drive behind that? I've always just thought I can do it. I don't know why. When our first 10-year reunion from medicine, one of the male doctors came up to me and said, Judy, do you know you were the first one to establish a private practice in our year? I said, no, I didn't know that. I've always just had a goal, decided to do it and just gone for it. A lot of things that hold business owners back is fear. So maybe there's not a lot of fear within you. Yes, that might be, that may be true. Um, I just, yes, I don't know why I have that, just an inner belief that all the work, it never crossed my mind, it wouldn't. So Judy, that's incredible to hear how driven you were, but you also faced a lot of challenges on your journey. I did. I loved the practice. It was, I mean, it's a challenge having a young child and a practice. And um, then I had my son and, and was combining breastfeeding and working. And, you know, I'd hear, hear him cry in the back house and I'd get a letdown reflex and I'd have a patient in the room and I'd go, oh dear. <laughs> um, but it all worked out. When my son was 10 months old, I was on my way back from visiting a patient who'd had bone cancer and a car ploughed into the back of my car on the freeway and I got quite a bad whiplash and nerve damage as a result of that and I was in very severe pain and it was a huge challenge because I found it was interfering with my concentration and I, I have this sort of high standards and perfectionism and I like to really get to the bottom of everything and follow everything people are telling me and process it all and I found that particularly challenging with the level of pain that I was in and sleeping of course was problematic. So that yes that was created a lot of challenges and from there I sort of gradually improved and but unfortunately four five years later I had a, the same thing happen again and that made me that really pushed me into a very severe chronic pain pattern and then I got uh, chronic fatigue associated with that. I got depressed and quite severely depressed and I had intermittent times where I really had to stop work because I, with all of those sorts of issues going on, I'd become cognitively impaired and I'd realised that I actually wasn't safe to practice and I'd have to just stop. So it was a, it was a real challenge keeping my business going, keeping my staff motivated um, while I was having prolonged periods away from the practice um, on a intermittent and quite regular basis. Um, so then I got Ross River virus, which put me to sleep for most of a year. Well, it was four months completely asleep. And, um, and then following that, I had a bout of septic shock and put me in intensive care. So it was stumbling from one health crisis to another. It's not everybody's story that sounds like this. This, <laughs> this sounds like a lot of challenges for somebody as a business owner. It was very challenging, yes. I had staff sort of set up business in opposition and sort of take all my patient files with them um, whilst I was off on one of those occasions so I had to try and push myself to rebuild to work and rebuild the practice but I got there and it all worked um, you know you just got to 
take a deep breath and look at life and and do what you can and and um, move on. Um, yes. So. So if there's any listener out there that might be in the middle mm. of something like that now, what advice can you give them? What did what help you through? through all of this how did you come out with all these challenges and still be a very successful business owner do you know i don't think anyone's really asked me that but i had my drive there i had my children that i really wanted to make sure they were all okay um but i had really good staff and i think in establishing my practice I always worked in a way that the staff were included and decision-making was joint and I liked to delegate and sometimes I say to people I tend to abdicate abdicate responsibility but I trust my staff. I'm confident that they will do the job that they're employed to do and that I don't have to stand over them Um, and so we had a very happy, friendly work environment and I think they apart from that one little incident um, my reception staff and the the core of my practice were there for me and supportive and would just kept going despite me not being there and I had a lot of loyalty from my patients as well I think I lost that a little bit at that one stage um, where I mean people get very close to their doctors and I you know if, if a doctor moves of course people will move with them um, there's different ways you can go about doing things like that and it wasn't always the best way that happened. But look, it's just you've just got to take it on the chin and say, okay, what can I do to move forward and keep going? So, Judy, how many employers do you have today? I only have two at this stage. I'm looking for a, um, a practice manager, um, but I'm building. So I only started this part of my journey with my cosmetic clinic May last year. And I have two dermal therapists and I now need a front desk person because we're getting too busy to be looking after that side of the thing. So, yes. I'm all about empowering. This is a new business. This is 16 months old. What do you do to empower your staff? Even if you have a group of 20 staff members or you have two staff members, it's just as important, the empowerment. We certainly talk and communicate and give each other feedback and pats on the back. We have just a supportive friendship. So one of the staff members is a, is a lady I've worked with now for 14 years, 15 years, really since I've been in the business because she, she originally had a dermal therapy clinic. She closed it over COVID and had to move to Melbourne for family reasons, which is why I ended up opening a, the business of my own. And now she's come back and she, now she works for me. <laughs> um, so we're best friends. So that... I think is is one thing that really does empower me and we I think we empower each other in that regard and then I have a younger um, dermal therapist as well and um, she thinks of us both as mum. <laughs> oh, okay and you were saying earlier today that you allow them to make decisions you allow them to be who they are and what they want to be even if you're very specific of what you want Do you see that as part of your empowerment? I do, I do. And I like to reward, without being patronising, positive things. So we will give each other feedback on if we get 
positive or, or negative feedback from clients. Fortunately, it's it's nearly always positive, and and we're both open to suggestions if we think we could do something better. Um, but it's in a in a positive and a supportive way, not a not a negative. There's no um, there's no nastiness yeah. within the. I have. I have rules that aren't obvious, but I have a line. There's certain behaviour I won't tolerate, um, yeah. and if people overstep that mark, I will say something. Fortunately, that's very, very rare that I ever have to do that. You are lucky, but you also do something that's quite not normal: is working with one of your best friends. So. For a lot of people or listeners out there, they will say that is a little bit too risky. So how does it work? Because the roles have changed a little bit when your friend come back and work for you now. So how does that work within the relationship and business? It's a very good question because I wondered that, she wondered that. It was just a little bit funny for a few weeks. She seemed a little bit at sea because she hadn't been in the industry for a couple of years as well. But she had such a huge loyal following of most of her clients of friends now. They were, all came in and just gave her a hug and, oh, so good to see you again. So it's that sort of friendly, nurturing environment. But it all settled down and, and um, I respect Sue my, um, so much that, um, she can pretty much do whatever she want and wants and run run she can run her side of it as though it were her own business and you know sometimes she makes a decision to give someone a discount or throw in a free treatment for whatever reason and I'm always supportive of that because I know she'll only do that when she thinks that she, that she would have done it in her own business and I think giving someone that degree of freedom and, and if I think work-life balance is really important I just don't apply it to myself but you know, if, they, if she needs to go shopping or she's got a family thing on or she, do, do you know, um, I never object to someone booking out time and going and doing what they need to do in their personal life. But Judy, that is very empowering to say to somebody, you make the decisions, you make the call, you know, you can run this business as your own. And that's actually what you want as a business owner. You want your staff to run this business as it's their own, mm. because you know that she's going to do it in the best interest of the business. So that is gold for you to have. And that's probably why you are so lucky with a great relationship, because you empower her by not saying this is the rules but you can make the decisions what I support you to the decisions you make what's the best for you throwing in that discount throwing in that free treatment what you feel you need to give your client that that's great and that's why you get the great outcome from that as well I, I fully agree and and I know myself when I was working as a employee within a general practice um, having to always go and ask, well, I guess you still have to ask for leave, but um, it, it it's, I mean, sometimes Sue will have blocked off a half day and then she'll say to me, oh, I hope you don't mind, I've got a hair appointment or I've got something or other. So, you know, I'm quite happy with that. And I think it's not feeling that you have to, you're like at school and have to get permission for everything you don't have a job you have a lifestyle yes and absolutely. if you can create that within your clinic that's why your workers will be so happy because they want to be there they don't feel they restrict restricted in their work and that's that is the big 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 um plus point yeah. and the success 
around the business? Look, I I fully agree. In my general practice, my reception staff and my nurses, I'd say to them, I don't mind what hours you do, what, what, when you work, if your children have got a school assembly or it's a birthday, just work it out between yourselves. If you can get someone to cover you, take the time off. I'm quite happy with that. And I, I had staff that stayed pretty much the whole time I had the practice. It's only really if they moved away or something, you know, their husband moved jobs or things and they had to leave. And I think that creates a happy work environment, contented staff and loyalty. What do you do to look after yourself? What do you do to make sure that you are recharged, that you are the one with the energy and the healthy one to be in the practice? Yes, I'm not very, very good at that. That's probably been, that's one of my biggest um, faults. I am working towards, and look, I knew that this would be a busy time and a, and a, a, a tough period in establishing a business and taking a business to a next level because you have to get to a point where you're overworked to be able to justify bringing someone in who'll lighten your load. And so I'm getting at that point at the moment and I've got a a young doctor who's interested in coming in and me mentoring them and teaching them the trade and and or a, a nurse because I've sorted out the dermal therapy side but I haven't lightened my load which is the side that requires an injector who needs to be either a trained nurse or a doctor and so that's my my next step so that then I can nurture myself I did paint I was doing some watercolor art and I've always wanted to do portraits and now I'm quite keen on doing abstract but I don't even get time to get the paintbrush out Um, I used to play the piano and I wouldn't mind going back to that and and I do go and play with my grandchildren who usually just give me a cold <laughs> but but every little cold is worth it oh that's special but that's interesting and it's also valuable what you say there because a lot of the business owners that I sit with they sit in front of me and they sometimes just have an idea I want this glamorous life of being a business owner. That's my hobby and I want to put it over. And you were very honestly bring that out for us now is that there's a time where it's not going to feel glamorous. There's a time where, where glamour is not exist. Everything I want to do and I love to do had to just give me a little bit of time to get to a point where I can take these back. And this is reality and this is why everybody is not a business owner because to be a business owner, you have to make that sacrifices. You have to sacrifice something that's valuable for you or take some time so that you can manage other things in your business. This is very true. And I've um, taken on, a. have been asked and I'm very honoured to um, take on a luminary and training, um, state training position for one of the companies, for the um, one of the devices I've bought, uh, Morpheus 8, which I'm really thrilled with, and the Empower RF that I'd talked to you about with treating women's issues and incontinence. Um, and so that gives me another, another thing to do, but an, um, also another area of work, which as I'm getting older, I'll be able to do more of coaching and training and um, cut back a little bit of my hands-on um, treatment side of the business. And um, so this, this sort of transition to retirement. One thing I didn't say is how old I am. <laughs> so I started this new journey, setting up extended part of my cosmetic business 
last year when I was 67. So this year I was thinking, what was I thinking? <laughs> it's starting a new business when everyone else is retiring and going out for coffee. But I tell you what, I'm loving it. It's quite inspiring, invigorating and, um, and fun. But that's so inspiring because not just that you started this when you were 67, you're also a single woman in business. This is true, yes. So yes. That, is, that is shown us, especially women out there, that you can achieve when you put your mind to it. And yes, when you do work hard and maybe had to sacrifice some luxuries, but at the end of the day, as long as you know what the bigger picture is going to look like and when I work with clients it's very very important for me to go back to their diaries and say and I always start with where's your downtime because <laughs> we need that downtime we need that time with the grandchildren because that's what recharge you we need that time when the world can collapse you're not going to give them any of your time now because that's the value in bringing that back. So on that note, what's your 10 years plan? Or is that a little bit jumping it too far? Must we go to five years? No, no, look, I, I, I'm optimistic. I would, I'm hoping that I'll have at least two clinics, if not more. Um, and what I really love is sculpting a face and keeping that person looking really normal and just a fresh look. And I, I like to see where I can put just a little bit here, a little bit there, and now with the, the device to just lift some of the looser skin and things to transform that person and make them feel a million dollars and go into the workplace or go into their social environment feeling very good about themselves and where you don't feel the need to look in a mirror because you, you know you're okay. And so to sort of specialise a little bit in that where I think my main skill lies. And sometimes, well, I guess people think Botox is quite simple, but actually to do a really good job is quite tricky. And especially when people have got nerve palsies and things and correcting things like that, I, I like those intellectual challenges and being able to make a difference. So I'll probably concentrate more on those types of things, um, but also train start other injectors. It's so important that they have an aesthetic eye and that they can not overdo the treatments because I see people walking around in the streets and it's it saddens me to think that someone has done that to them do you know what I mean and distorted their natural features so keeping training people to do a really good job within the industry and keeping people looking normal so our 10-year plan it doesn't sound if you're going to stop working <laughs> <laughs> two clinics you're going to train them but you still want to be the artist <laughs> yes look maybe maybe in 10 years I might um, not be able to see or I might develop a tremor <laughs> who knows what what the um, time will bring but god willing and all if my health holds out and I have had good health over the last four or five years which is why I took this plunge I probably didn't have the confidence in my health prior to that um, and health confidence is something that's invaluable if anyone has experienced or who's listening if you don't have confidence in your health reliability um, it stops you being able to enter in, in any long-term work contracts I know barristers who have had to retire from the bar because they don't know if next week they'll be well or not. Um, so 
I felt confident again that I had ongoing good health, well, a lot better than in the past. And so I took that um, risk and plunge and I'm enjoying, I think I'm enjoying the challenge and enjoying the fact that I wake up in the morning and I feel healthy and I feel energised and I know I can have a day of productivity. And to me, that's just worth the weight of gold to me. You know, you just, um, it's... I get emotional. Such a difference to waking up every day and struggling. Sorry. <laughs> no, it's beautiful. And we had emotion before on this podcast, which means it just brings you to we're all real people. Mm. We're all mm. people with everyday challenges. Yes. And I know that a lot of people listening to this will also get emotional because that's their way we that's the state where they in now yes they're there where they can't do but i yes. what i get from this is you see now that i have life back yes. i live it to the fullest yes yes and i have so much fun with my grandchildren i chase them around i even get in the tunnel with my two-year-old <laughs> and um and play you know which is just so much fun because yeah. you can. Because I can. And yes. I couldn't have. Went. And I, one of the big regrets in, when my children were very little is I, I lost the ability to do a lot of those things and just throw them in the air and be silly and play and go swimming with them and play tennis. I couldn't do those things. So I'm enjoying it with the little ones. Now, well done. And thank you for being honest and sharing that with us and sharing that emotion. But well done to come back and say, I can live life now and oh, I yes. will live life yes. now. Yes, and I'd rather be doing this than um, than afternoon teas. Although I do quite enjoy an afternoon tea still. <laughs> Judy, we also had you in Mandra um, a couple of weeks ago, and one thing that I really appreciate what you say is that you have something for everyone. You're not keen on doing Botox or a lot of changes. You can still help with a few pills or a, a few treatments. So your salon is really there for every woman or men out there that just want to pay a little bit more attention and look after their skin. And those features that they don't enjoy, I was surprised how there's a machine basically for everything. Oh, there, there definitely <laughs> is. Actually, the development of technology these days, it's unbelievable. Do you know what's coming out and what it can achieve? I've turned around people's lives and I wondered how much of an impact it would have. It almost seems like, oh, you know, make people conscious of their body. But a lot of people struggle with their weight and their, their shape. And I've had a number come in and do their tummy with this, the M-Sculpt Neo, which has some radio frequency that dissolves the fat and tightens the skin and this magnetic stimulation of muscle contraction. And it's like doing 20,000 sit-ups in half an hour. And there's no soreness the next day because it gets rid of all the lactic acid. But what, it, what has impressed me is... The people who've come in and paid for that treatment have then turned their lives around. They've gone home, they've changed their eating habits, they've changed their exercise, and they come back. Um, sure, the machine has dropped centimetres off them, but having that little bit of a kickstart, they've then made these health changes. I've got one gentleman who's lost over 10 centimetres in just over four months, and he's feels a million dollars. He said, I've got so much energy. I just feel fantastic. His cholesterol's come down. His blood sugar's come down. He's off his um, blood pressure medications. It can be these little things that can 
kickstart a whole change in a person's life journey. And I've even seen that. I had this big truckie one day come in for fillers and I saw him six months later and he was a shadow of his former self. He suddenly started taking um, care of the rest of his body and his whole appearance. He dropped all this weight and he was looking a million dollars. It was amazing. So people sometimes are critical of the industry, but really it is a very nurturing and can be some tiny little thing that just changes a person's uh, life and perception of themselves. But things like an LED, it's a low intensity light. You lie under a little light with sort of yellow flashes. Um, it's just warm, it's not painful, but it rejuvenates the skin. It's anti-inflammatory and, and it actually penetrates eight centimeters. So people who are suffering anxiety, it actually reduces brain inflammation as well and body inflammation. And I have, and this girl we hadn't said anything to, and she said, oh, I love coming and having this. When I leave, I feel so much less anxious. And you could say, well, it's just because you're lying down under a nice warm light and being nurtured. Um, and if, if Renee's there, she does a nice little hand massage. I'm not very good at that. So um, they, they get the hand massage as well. But, you know, things like that, which is, it can act, that actually changes the skin. You, you see the skin looking more glowing and fresher and people love that treatment and it's it's harmless. Yeah, and one of the conversations we also had was hair grow, where somebody struggled with hair grow, and you said that one of the machines will stimulate that. Yes, yes. Um, and also, so the machines can, um, the platelet-rich plasma, um, which is from your own body, so you're not injecting anything apart from putting your own um, platelets and, and growth factors into the scalp, um, can make a huge difference. And even sometimes just little things like taking a um, 100 milligram coated aspirin can make a difference to hair growth. So there's and the LED light too. I've I've had um, people who've just had the LED light and and the hair has thickened up and they've regrown hair in areas that are starting to bald. So yes, there's a lot we can offer and um, lots of things that are um, not intrusive. Hmm. So as you say, there's a machine for everything today yes. and it sounds if a lot of those machines are in your clinic. Yes, and we're dealing, as I said, with the with the women's health, the incontinence and even men. Um, we've got a chair that you can sit on for incontinence for men and women and, you know, that's um, you just sit there for half an hour and it's not painful or anything. So there's, yes, there's lots of things that we are um, providing some assistance with at the clinic. Judy, what is your view on mentors? I think mentoring is a wonderful thing. When I first started injecting, there was a wonderful nurse called Shirley Canoop who'd come out from England and she taught me and I remember her saying, Judy, if you ever have a question, if you have any concerns, just call me anytime, day or night. I'm happy to answer them. And that was wonderful. I, really, I don't know that I called on Shirley, but it was just lovely knowing that there was that um, person there if I needed. In fact, I went and injected from her clinic for a year when I didn't have anywhere to inject um, when Sue closed her clinic um, during COVID and um, before I opened my own premises. So we're still friends. I grew up on a farm by myself and we spent a lot of time on my own and I think I became a fairly solitary person. I've always just relied on myself. I think it's funny, my mother said to me, your brother will get the farm, you have to find your own way in the world. And I was about 12. I think that really hit home, do you know? And I, I just went on my little way, making my own way in the world from then onwards. So. Yes, here I am. And you certainly did. And you inspire us today, telling us your life story and be real about it. 
it's just so great to hear how you take that on and say, I make my way. And that's what I can see right through this conversation, that you make your way. And you had a place where you said, I'm not stopping. I'm not giving you my five-year plan. I'm giving you my 10-year plan. Even if I'm past my 67 years of age, obviously you didn't look like that at all. So what is your favorite phrase that you would leave our listeners with today? If a job's worth doing, it's worth doing well. If you would like to know more about Judy and her work, you can find the details in the episode description. Thank you so much for listening. And until next time, I believe in you. Thank you for listening to the I Believe in You podcast. If you're interested in being coached by Lizelle, we have a number of solutions available for you, no matter where you are in the world. You can find all the details for these and how to get in touch in this episode's description. This podcast is proudly sponsored by RAH McDonald's. It's more than Maccas, it's developing personal excellence for life. I Believe in You is produced by Bad Bar Productions.